0: Tradition says, do things that make you seem clean, but only leave you spiritually dirty. The gospel, the gospel has power. Tradition, it is powerless. My name is Carlos. Like I said, I wanted to pass this here. Um, if I haven't met you, I'd love to get coffee with you. Um, I'd love to get to know you. Um, but let me share a little bit about myself um, before we. Uh, jump into our tech. Oh, I guess this is the, my intro, I should say. Um, if you don't know me, or maybe if you do know me, uh, I'm an avid fan of hip-hop. Like, I love hip-hop. And if you're unfamiliar with hip-hop culture, there's, all right, there's many things wrong with it, right? Just like much a lot in our culture. <laughs> but um, But there's also things in the culture that are just really beautiful and, and, and really like worth admiring. Uh, for instance, I love, I love the, the confidence that hip hop, um, gives men and women, right. As, as like these dudes and, 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 ladies, they like blend these words together, just the confidence that, that it gives. Um, even if that confidence sometimes is, is misguided. Um, and my favorite hip hop group of all time, maybe some of y'all know this is Outkast. Um, I love Outkast. Not, not like Hayah uh, Outkast. That's, that's when they sold out, in my opinion. Um, but like, yeah, Equimini um, and, and all those other, those other things. Um, and one of my favorite songs uh, from them that exemplifies this confidence uh, that, that hip-hop tends to give people uh, is this, this song that's actually one of my favorite songs. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm not going to sing it. I'm going to read it. Uh, But if you know it, feel free to sing it with me. Uh, It goes like this. It says, ain't nobody dope as me. I'm just so fresh and so clean. So fresh and so clean. clean. You know that. You know, got some of y'all know that song. Uh, It's it's so good, right? It's so good. I mean, the swag, the confidence, the bravado you need to go and, and do all the things that you need to do in the world, right? You're probably... And now you're probably like, okay, Carlos, what does this have to do with the book of Mark? Like, what does outcast, what does being so fresh and so clean have to do with the book of Mark? Well, I'm glad you guys asked. Um, When I approach the text sometimes, I have to, like, (sighs) transport what's happening into the real world. And so as I've been studying and praying through our text this week and trying to put myself in these scenarios, one really weird thing has come to my mind, and it's this song, right? It's, it's as if, like, so, like let's just, just amuse me for a second, right? If this text were to magically be transported to today, right, and if in some way everything... And the text that we're going to read has been modernized. And in some way, uh, the Pharisees, right, who, who were going to roll up on Jesus, they didn't walk. They rode in a car. Uh, I believe that as they pulled up to Jesus and his homeboys, this song by Outcast would be blasting. It would be blasting. Like the, the speakers would be knocking. Right? They, like every, they would know. People would hear them coming and be like, oh, that's the Pharisees. That's them right there. Um <laughs> And I say that because when you read the lyrics of this outcast song and you read the actions and thoughts and misunderstandings of the Pharisees in our scripture, this song really does sum up perfectly how they view themselves, right? They really believe that they were so fresh and so clean. So what does this have to do with the gospel of Jesus Christ? Well, let's stand and and, and try to find out. I stand if you're able and we're going to read Mark chapter 7, verses 1 through 23. I don't know how Cole got away preaching five verses last week, and I got 23. <laughs> Whoever's making the preaching schedule, they, I need to talk to them. Mark chapter 7, verses 1 through 23. We got a lot of text, and so I'm just going to kind of blow through this. It's going to be some... There are going to be some things in here that, like, I just don't have time to hit on. And so as we read, I might try to provide some commentary. Uh, But here we go. The Pharisees and some of the scribes who had come from Jerusalem gathered around him. Right? They roll up on him in in their um, cutlass supreme is what I would say. They roll up on Jesus and... um, they observed that some of his disciples were eating bread with unclean, that is, unwashed hands for and this is Mark providing commentary, um, for the, the Pharisees and all the Jews that do not eat unless they give their hands a ceremonial washing, keeping the tradition of the elders. When they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they have washed. And there are many other customs they have. They have received and keep, like the washing of cups, pitchers, kettles, and dining couches. So the Pharisees and the scribes asked him, they asked Jesus, hey, why don't your disciples live according to the tradition of the elders instead of eating bread with ceremonially unclean hands? He answered, man, Isaiah prophesies correctly about you hypocrites. As it is written, this people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Mm. They worship me in vain, teaching as doctrine human commands. Abandoning the command of God, you hold on to human traditions. He also said to them, you have a fine way of invalidating God's command in order to set up your tradition. For Moses said, honor your father and your mother. And whoever speaks evil of father and mother must be put to death. But you say, if anyone tells his father or mother, Hey, whatever benefit you might have received from me, let's just call it Corbin. That is an offering devoted to God. You no longer let him do anything for his father or mother. You nullify the word of God by your tradition that you have handed down. And you do many other similar things. Summoning the crowd again, he told them, listen to me, all of you, and understand. This is like Jesus saying, hey, make sure you pay real close attention to what I'm about to say right now. Nothing that goes into a person from the outside can defile him. But the things that come out of a person are what defile him. And then he just walks off, right? <laughs> when he went into a house away from the crowd, his disciples asked him about the parable. He said, are you are you also lacking in understanding? Don't you realize that nothing going into a person from the outside can defile him. For it doesn't go into his heart, but into his stomach and is eliminated. Thus, this is again Mark providing uh, commentary for, for the people that he's writing to. Thus, he declared all foods clean. And he said, what comes out of a person is what defiles him. For from within, out of people's hearts come evil thoughts, sexual immoralities, thefts, murders, adulteries, greed, evil actions, deceit, self-indulgence, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness. All these things come from within and defile a person. That's a lot, but this is good for us. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Pray with me. Jesus, I ask that you would um, open our hearts to hear your word. And I really do mean that, open our hearts. If what Jesus is saying is true and our hearts is what defile us, Lord, then we don't need to listen. We don't need to merely just hear what you have to say, Lord, we need to, we need to have a heart transplant. We need to have a new hearts. Um, and Lord, I just pray that you will speak through me, um, eliminate my nervousness, eliminate um, my need to um, work to, to please people. I just pray that you would help me preach the gospel in a way that is unfiltered, that is pure, and that is ultimately, Lord, life-changing and from you. So I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Like I said, we got a lot. Um, we got a lot. And so I'm going to move as fast as I can, but I'm also just going to preach. And so I just pray that you guys will just buckle in. Um, okay, let me lay a foundation. So we've talked about a lot. So, right, in Jewish culture, um, there's, there's this obsession with, with cleanliness and, like, ritual cleansing. Um, and, and much more than, like, this hygiene um, and obsession uh, with, like, just, like, not being dirty. Uh, this obsession with cleanliness is it's rooted in the very spiritual lives of the people of God. Now, we got to recognize and understand that cleanliness was important. Because in the Old Testament, like, God set up ways for his people to be clean. And the reason why God sets up ways for people to be clean was because of the very character and nature of who God is, right? So as we come to our text, we have to recognize that this issue of cleanliness is important, but primarily it's important not because the Pharisees have, have said, like, this is an important matter that we need to address. It's important because God, God has deemed that this is important. Now, the question uh, that we should be asking ourselves right now is why, right? Why, why is God obsessed with cleanliness? Why would God set up ways and practices for his people to be clean? Well, the answer is very simple. It's because God loves them. God loves his people. And like anyone who's ever been in love, all you want to do is like, I remember when I met my wife and I started falling in love with her, I was like, I just need to be next to her. Like, we don't even got to be like talking about anything. We're just in the same room. I'm, I'm happy. This is what, this is why God has set up um, these things. But there's a problem, Right? There's a problem because God is holy. God is pure. Not only is God, like, not only is he sinless, but we learn in the scriptures that he can't even be near sin. He can't be in the same room as sin. In fact, God is so holy and so pure, (coughs) excuse me, that the prophet Isaiah in Isaiah 6. Um, he, 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 he goes into God's throne room and he sees these angelic beings who obviously don't have sin, but because of God's uh, pulsating holiness and pulsating uh, radiance, they have to cover their, their, their bodies and they have to cover their feet because they'd be destroyed by just being in, in the same room as God. God is holy. In fact, as they encircle God and they sing praises to his name, the only thing they can seem to get out is uh, holy, holy, holy. Holy, holy, holy. Right? Talk about somebody being so fresh and so clean, right? God is holy. But here's the problem. God is holy and humanity is not. And yes, that's like theological, but like... Everybody knows this, right? I, I could walk up to anybody, an atheist or someone who's totally against Christianity, and I was like, hey, is, there any, is anybody perfect? And they'd be like, no, nobody's perfect. We all know that <laughs> we are all jacked up. And here is where our story, it, this is, so with that being said, this is, this is where our story enters this morning. Because as we roll up on Jesus and his disciples, eating in a way, eating as a, excuse me. As we roll up on Jesus, I'm getting really excited because this is about to get really good. Our text kind of enters in this moment because what happens is we roll up on Jesus and his disciples eating in a way that is unclean. At least that's what the Pharisees say, right? They say this, quote, Why don't your disciples live according to the tradition of the elders instead of eating bread with ceremonially unclean hands? And on the surface, right, it just seems like a legitimate question. You roll up to a group of people who are doing things that are different than you, and you want to know, like, okay, why, why are y'all doing this? But we got to remember that Jesus and the Pharisees, they've been spiritually boxing for, like, six chapters, right? These dudes are, like, spiritually, like, at war with one another. They're, they're the Pharisees, they're trying to, to, to uncover um, some sort of dirt on Jesus to discredit his ministry, And so Jesus, he sees right through this. And he doesn't even, he just goes right to the heart. And he goes, Isaiah, they ask him, hey, why why are your disciples doing this? And he just answers, Isaiah prophesies correctly about you. (laughs) Isaiah prophesies about you, hypocrites. It's just like, whoa, geez. Just ask a question. Um, Isaiah prophesies correctly about you, hypocrites. As it is written, this people honors me with their lips. But their hearts, it is far from me. They worship in vain, teaching as doctrines, human commands, abandoning the command of God, you hold on to human tradition. Now, this is fascinating for a number of reasons. One, Jesus just called these dudes hypocrites to their face, and these are like very esteemed dudes in the culture, and so it's just like, oh, you know. um, It's like, oh, no, it's not like that. But anyway, I'm going to keep going. Um, It's... (laughs) I was going to say it's like if I were to call my mom a hypocrite, but that's, that's anyway. Focus, Carlos. I'm everywhere. There's a lot of text here, and it's, it's been really fun this week. So um, this is fascinating because Jesus sees clearly through their act. In fact, Jesus notices how the Pharisees and the religious leaders of Isaiah uh, of Isaiah's time, they, have, they, they seem to kind of be in step uh, with the Pharisees, um, they both seem to honor God with the things they say and the things that they do, uh, but the way that they live, like their hearts, they are far from God. What we see Jesus reveal is this outward cleanliness, outward goodness, outward, you know, doing the the, the, the right things, it doesn't equal godliness. It doesn't equal godliness. Notice how Jesus says they teach what human commands like their doctrines and they hold on to what human traditions now where is jesus getting this from what what gives jesus the the guts to say to say this well he's getting this from the very lips of the pharisees right they expose themselves when they roll up to the disciples they say hey why don't your disciples live according to what the tradition of the elders not God's word, not God's commands, not God's scriptures, but why don't they live according to tradition? This is surprising, isn't it? I mean, this is—you like, these are the, the spiritual leaders of, of the people of God. People are looking at them for guidance on how to follow God. But instead, all they get is tradition that's not even scriptural. It's not even based in the word of God. In fact, it's extra, script, it's extra scriptural. Is that a word? Extra script, scriptural? It's a, I just invented a word today. Let's go. Extra biblical. We'll say that. <laughs> How dare they? Right? How dare, stop laughing at me. <laughs> How dare they? But we tend to do this too, don't we? I tend to do this. I can't speak for you. I mean, it's amazingly, the, the amazingly scary thing about our text this morning is that Jesus, he's talking to church people. Like, he's talking to pastors and leaders and deacons and people who uh, volunteer and people who, uh, oh my gosh, people who are committed. As church people, we teach that all people need to do to come to Christ, all people need to do to, to, to come to Jesus is to come, and then they can live free. But then they come to Jesus, and this I'm spe- I'm telling on myself, they come to Jesus, and then we have like a list of 40 extra things that they got to do to be right with God, right? We say things like, hey, you can only vote this way, or you can only vote that way, or you can't go see rated R movies, or you can't date in a certain way, or your time with God has to look this way and it has to be this long every day three times a day uh they say your parenting style has to be this way you got to educate your kids this way uh the list goes on and on and on but let me ask y'all a question does that seem like freedom does that does that seem like freedom no that's that's not freedom at all that's that's burdensome And Jesus is dope because Jesus smells this from a mile away. But as Jesus continues on his rebuttal with the Pharisees, he begins to drive the, the knife a little deeper, right? He begins to drive it a little deeper. He goes on to reveal to them how the extra biblicalness isn't spiritual at all. In fact, Jesus says that the Pharisees use this extra biblicalness to invalidate God's word. They use it to invalidate God's word and set up their own tradition. Like I said earlier, outward cleanliness does not equal godliness. In fact, Jesus reveals that their tradition and other traditions that they have placed have replaced the word of God. Their traditions have actually replaced the word of God. Let me me give you the example that Jesus says. So Jesus says this. He says, for Moses said, honor your father and your mother. Right, Ten Commandments. Honor your father and mother. And whoever speaks evil of his father and mother must be put to death. But you say, if anyone tells his mother, excuse me, his father or mother, whatever benefit you have received from me, call it Corbin. That is, it's devoted to God. And you no longer let him do anything for his father and mother. You nullify the word of God by your tradition that you have handed down. So, this commandment that Moses gave was. To ensure that as kids got up and they got, they got stable and they were able to um, uh, work and provide things, as the parents continued to get older, that the most vulnerable people within the community were still taken care of. That's the whole point of honor your, your mother and your father, right? It's the whole reason why, why Moses, why, why God, through Moses, says that... Um, for the rest of your life, you need to honor and care for and, and, and nurture your parents as they get old. It's so that the most vulnerable within the community are taken care of. But do you see how the Pharisees' religiousness and their extra-biblicalness has in fact nullified the very word of God, right? They, the Pharisees have made up this tradition that says like, hey, you know this time and this money and these resources that you, that you have said that, um that, that they're going to be devoted to your parents if you just say hey this time this money is devoted to god then you're off the hook you ain't actually gotta you don't actually gotta care for them you can actually devote yourself to god do you see the religious hoops that the pharisees have gone through to avoid the responsibility of caring for the parents and the, 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 the vulnerable people in their community In holding fast to their traditions, they have essentially reduced the word of God to nothing. They're not even following God. They're following tradition. But family, because y'all are family, this is what happens when you place the traditions of man above the word of God. You forget God's word, which was given so that we can thrive. It was given so that we could thrive. So church people, me included, right? We need to take note, right? And so, so Jesus, he's just like spiritually boxing these dudes. Like they just like uppercut, jab, jab, right? He's just, he's just throwing hands with these guys. After throwing hands with the Pharisees, he turns to the crowd who's with him as well as his disciples. And he begins to answer the first question that the Pharisees posed in the beginning. Jesus says, hey, Let me just answer you plainly. Nothing that goes into a person from the outside can defile him. But the things that come out of a person, that's what defiles him. That's what makes them, that's what actually makes them clean. Or unclean, excuse me. Jesus is saying that the ceremonial washing, the eating things that are unclean, they don't make you unclean. What's on the inside makes a person unclean. Right in the words of Outcasts, being so fresh and so clean doesn't come from what you put on on the outside, but rather it flows from within. Here, Jesus shares the true nature of where being unclean comes from. You guys with me this morning? Yeah. Okay. I'm just making sure you quiet. Y'all can talk back to me if it's if you if you, if I'm saying something that's that's hitting. You, you, feel free to say Amen. It's it's okay. No pressure. <laughs> but his disciples, his disciples, they're they're so confused. They're like, and you, you got to imagine, like you got to have sympathy for them because they've lived under the burden of this tradition all their lives. And so when Jesus is like, "Hey, you don't even," that's not even, that's not even relevant. Like, you gotta you gotta be sympathetic toward the disciples in here. Um, but Jesus, he's amazed, at their, he's amazed at their lack of understanding. But he, but he, he moves through that and he begins to show them the true, the truth of um, where uncleanliness comes from. Jesus repeats again what he told the crowd, right? But he says it with a finer point. Jesus says, "Hey, there's nothing, there's nothing that can go inside you that will make you unclean." Jesus reveals. That our uncleanliness comes from our hearts. Wow. Our hearts. Now that doesn't sound like hippie Jesus to me. You know, hippie Jesus with the flowing locks of hair and who's just like, everybody love everybody, you know, which is true. Um, Jesus (laughs) He's essentially saying, Hey, the reason why y'all are filthy and dirty is because of your heart. You are the reason why you are not clean. Right? The reason why you are not clean is, is because of your heart. The reason why there is separation between you and God is because of your, your heart, not your hands. It's not because of your hands. It's, it's because of your heart. So what is the heart? Right? Is it this like anatomical, weird-shaped thing that's pumping blood to your body?? What, it, what, it, what is the heart? And more importantly, how do we make it clean? Like Is there, is there hope? To make it clean. Well, let's answer the first question. In the context of the Jewish people and the Jewish culture and, and you know, that, that time period, the heart is, quote, and this is from uh, William Lane, who has an excellent commentary on, on the book of Mark. He says that the heart is the center of human personality, which determines man's entire actions and in actions. The heart is the epicenter of of of, of all that we are that, that 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 everything that we do it just flows out of. The heart is where we determine the things that are worth loving, right? It is where we determine the things that are worth pursuing. It's where we determine how we will live. It's where we determine the standards that we will live up to. The heart is where our actions are conceived. It is in the heart in the heart Your heart, my heart, our hearts, this is the the heart is the real you. It's the real you. Everything that you and I are, it proceeds from the heart. And this is why Jesus says that the things that sprout out of the heart, that's what makes you unclean. Family, what Jesus is saying, it shatters the 21st century advice many of us follow. It, it, it just picks it up and just shatters it. Right? When choosing the guiding principles of your life, many in our culture will tell you to just, just follow your heart, bro. Man, follow your heart. <laughs> Stop it. Trust your own judgment. Do what makes you feel best. And what Jesus is clearly and boldly saying to us and his disciples this morning is that our hearts, our hearts are terrible guides. Our, hearts, our heart is a terrible compass to operate and move throughout the world. When Jesus, Jesus says, from your hearts, like follow your heart, from your heart flows all sorts of unclean things. And he fre- and he lists He lists like a ton of them. He says from our hearts come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, evil actions, deceit, selfishness, envy, slander, pride. The list goes on. The Pharisees judge their cleanliness on the outside. Jesus, Jesus says that God's standard is so much higher. Is so much higher. And many who follow their hearts end up making their whole souls unclean and thus separating them from the very presence of God. Remember, right? This is the whole point of the the cleanliness. God wants to be with us. Our souls are unclean, we have followed our hearts. And this is what theologians call the fall. The fall was the event where Adam and Eve they chose to follow their hearts. Rather than the word of God revealed to them. And as a result, they are made spiritually unclean. Right? And because of that, we have this this nature within us that's passed down from them. Where we we follow our hearts. It's not only that we commit sins, right? That's true. We commit sins. What the fall says is that we have a fallen nature, the nature whose heart is broken. And from that heart, from the root of that, spurt all types of limbs that are ugly and vile. Um, and it is, it's, truly, it's truly sad and it's truly heartbreaking. Um, It's truly heartbreaking because God, he created us to have unhindered fellowship and communion with him forever. And what the fall has shown us is that we are separated from that. God is, to quote my quote earlier, so fresh and so clean. But our hearts reveal that we are not. And you see, this is what the Pharisees, this is what the Pharisees, they fail to see. Even though they like, and we see this in the Pharisees, right? Even though they knew the command of God to honor their mothers and their fathers, their hearts are deceitful and it's unclean. And so in their hearts spring forth this rule to justify their unwillingness to care for the vulnerable people within their community. They're trying to justify themselves and be made right before God. This shows us family that the heart, like I said, is an unworthy God. It is an unworthy compass. It cannot be trusted. And so where is Jesus pulling this from? Is, is this a new teaching that Jesus is like, like, does Jesus have some special revelation? It's not. It's not. Jesus is a man of the word, right? Like, Jesus didn't have the New Testament. So, like, he's pulling all of this stuff from the Old Testament, and I think we got this, this, this uh, scripture on the screen, Jeremiah seventeen nine. Jesus, he pulls this from, from the prophet Jeremiah who says that the heart is more deceitful than anything else. And what? Incurable. Who can understand it? So Jesus' fascination with the heart isn't something that's just coming out of left field, but it's coming from the very word of God. This is the point I'm trying to make. This is the point Jesus is trying to make this morning. You can't trust your heart. <laughs> you can't trust your heart. I, I understand the temptation too, but we can't trust our heart. Our heart is a factory that produces all sorts of evil. So, right, this begs the question, do we have hope? Right, if the heart is just this factory of of of, of Nastiness, Like, is there hope to be clean? And more so than that, is there hope to be ushered back into the presence of God where there is relationship and joy and peace and life and fulfillment and satisfaction? Is there hope for church people and other people to make themselves clean before God? Well, I'm glad y'all asked. Thank you for asking that. Because we learn in the book of Mark that what Jesus is doing is he's ushering in a new kingdom. This is a new kingdom, a new kingdom with a new people filled with what? New hearts. A new people filled with new hearts. I actually, I mean, our text gives us clues to this, right? Like, this is, oh man, y'all like, I really encourage you guys to like walk slowly with us through the book of Mark. There's so many gems in here. Our text has already given us clues to this. Notice the disciples, right? Notice as, 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 as we roll up on our text this morning, this is so good, oh my gosh. As we roll up on our text this morning, like the accusations that the Pharisees throw at the disciples. The disciples, they have lived under the burden of this, this tradition for so long. Right? They understand the, the the ceremonially the ceremonial uncleaning stuff. They they know it. But it seems as if being in the presence of Jesus just makes them forget it. They just like have you have you guys thought about the fact that they know that, but in the presence of Jesus, they just it's just it's almost as if they believe that they're clean. Notice how the presence of God in the flesh In the presence of God in the flesh, ceremonies and traditions and rules, they kind of just fall to the wayside. And the disciples, they're just able to eat and enjoy the presence of God. Family, this is a picture of what it looks like to have a clean heart before God. Right? Notice the disciples. But also, remember their story. Right. They are followers of Jesus. They are disciples of the God man. They have left everything, jobs, careers, opportunities to advance in the world, to follow and be transformed into the very image of the teacher in whom they are sitting, um, sitting with and eating. If you were to observe the life of the disciples, it's almost as if humble submission to God's call and abandoning what you think is right and simply following the word of God and the person of God. It's almost as if like that makes you clean. It's almost as if loving God, loving his presence and committing yourself to his ways transforms your heart, right? (laughs) What well, is that almost? That's that's exactly what's going on. It's exactly the key that we need to understand in making our hearts clean before God. So how do we get clean? Well, you humbly turn to God and you come to Jesus. We forsake our own ways, our own hearts and we look to Jesus who transforms us and gives us new hearts. It's the blood of our Lord shed on the cross that washes away the filth of our hearts. And this, amen, this is the work of the gospel. This is not tradition. Right? The gospel, the gospel has power. Tradition, it is powerless. The gospel says come to God and he will make you clean starting from the inside out. Tradition says do things that make you seem clean but only leave you spiritually dirty. The gospel says God so loved the world that he gave us his only son. He gave his only son to mankind so that we could be born again with new hearts that produce godliness. Tradition says your heart... Maybe It may be made right with God if you follow this list of extra-biblical things. A list that actually leads to more slavery than freedom. The gospel says Jesus Christ, he came into the world to take on himself the unclean hearts that have that separated us from God since the garden. Tradition says the burden is on you. The gospel says... Christ Jesus was separated from the very presence of the God in whom he had eternal community with so that we all could be ushered into an eternal relationship with the Father. Tradition says, be okay with only the appearance of a relationship with God and not the actual real thing. Family, what I'm getting at is this. Living life. Underneath the rules of religion is nothing compared to life with Jesus in the gospel. It's nothing compared. In the gospel, we have true transformation, not just behavioral modification. In the gospel, we have true freedom, not restriction. In the gospel, we have truly been made fresh, so fresh and so clean because we are given Christ's identity. In the gospel, we are given a new heart. In the gospel, we are given a new heart. This is the beautiful truth that Jesus is conveying to us this morning. He wants to show us that the old heart that we have, it simply won't do. It won't do. And the truth that we have, that we ha- And the truth that we have because of the life, death, resurrection, and ascension of Christ Jesus is that all who place their hope and faith in Jesus, that old heart is removed and he's given us a new heart of flesh that is able to receive his his love, able to receive the joy that he wants to pour out on us, able to receive um, the satisfaction that we all walk around uh, longing for. He gives us hearts that produce love and joy and patience and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. He gives us hearts that give us love for our neighbors and love for strangers, and uh, hearts that allow us to self-sacrifice so that others can thrive, and hearts that forgive in the in the in the in the midst of the worst uh, the worst um, hurts. In the gospel, we are given the very heart of Christ. We're given the heart of Christ, y'all. So how do we get clean and purify our hearts so that we can enter into the, God's presence? Come to Jesus. We come to Jesus and he makes us new. Okay. Oh, man. All right. Um, I think the disciples actually picked this up. Um, Jesus' brother. This is another gem of the text. Jesus, Jesus, was James Jesus's brother? Does anybody know that? Is that like a fact? Okay, I've, I don't. I don't know. I didn't know that. So maybe I should have known that. I, I didn't know that. So Jesus' brother James. Um, his he has something in his his in, in one of his, in his letter that just illuminates this text. So. So let's look back to verse three, if we can. Remember what Jesus says. He says, they do not eat, right? The the Pharisees, they don't eat unless they have washed. Everybody say wash. Wash. All right. Um, And there are many other customs they have received, like washing of cups, pitchers, kettles, and dining couches. I don't know how you wash a couch. That's a question that I have. Um, So the word wash here, it's the same word that we get for baptism. Right? And when I saw this, I was like, oh my God, this is crazy. Um, so, read another way, we can say that they don't eat, the Pharisees, they don't eat unless they have been baptized. But again, after everything that I have just said, right, we know that outwardly baptism, it, it doesn't, it does, it does nothing. What this tradition is pointing toward is a baptism of the heart, right? Jesus is concerned about the heart. And like I said, James, his brother, he, he puts it beautifully in his letter. Um, James, like, when we ask the question, like, how, do we, how do we get a clean heart before God? Listen to what James says. James says, therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and you, he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, sinners. Purify your what? Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be miserable and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy turned to gloom. Oh, this is so good. Humber yourselves before God, and he will exalt you. James is saying this, and I'm going to read it because I want to make sure I... I, I explain this really well James is saying that the way that we make our hearts clean before God is to come to Jesus humbly recognizing the sin of our heart humbly recognizing the folly of our fallenness and humbly acknowledging that out of our heart comes all sorts of wicked things James is saying come to God and humble yourselves and admit that we don't we don't got what it takes to make ourselves clean and in doing so we are exalted to sons and daughters of God. We are exalted because of the work of Christ on our behalf. The work that cleanses our hearts is his blood, and it gives us his very righteousness. Do you guys see the picture of baptism here? Humble yourselves, and you will be exalted. Humble yourselves, and you will be lifted up. Going down in humbleness and coming up and being exalted. This is why I think the disciples, they didn't even think about the tradition of ceremonial washing. They had submitted themselves to Jesus and thus they had been made unclean. They had been made clean, excuse me. So how do we get a clean heart before God? Humble yourselves before the mighty hand of the Lord and he will exalt you. I promise you, this is the last thing I gotta say. I know I'm running late. I'm sorry. <laughs> so there are two ways that I think that we can apply this text to us this morning, and I want to I want to give you some handlebars. Because I feel like I've been up in the clouds a little bit. I want to give you some something to really grab onto. Firstly, firstly, this is this is and this is maybe talking to only a part of of the room this morning. Um, firstly, it may mean for the first time in your life, you may need to stop following your heart. Maybe for the first time in your life, this may be an opportunity for you to humbly submit yourself to God. It may mean for the first time in your life, you need to throw off your own ways, your own ways of thinking, your own ways of living and submit to God, submit to the God of the universe who has revealed himself In the Lord Jesus Christ. It may mean. Right. This text. May mean. Getting up and following Jesus. For you this may mean. Coming to Christ humbly. Submitting yourself to him. And being raised to new life in Christ. Being truly made clean. Where God. He he offers you a new heart. He offers you his very own heart. If that's you this morning. I implore. I I beg you, come to Jesus. Come to Christ. Don't, don't trust your own heart. It is an unworthy guide. Jesus, he wants to live in you and, and make you new. Um, the other way that we can respond to this, and probably this is probably the other half of the, of the group, is if you've said yes and amen to all of these, right, right? This just may be a, a very simple, but loud um, opportunity for you to simply re-evalu- reevaluate the ways in your life where you are following your traditions instead of the Spirit. Remember, right? The whole point of washing and other means of of grace is so that you can be ushered into the presence of God. That's the whole point. It's not about actually reading your Bible every day. It's about meeting the God who who, who is revealed in your Bible. That's the whole point. Um, I lost my place. Hmm, I'm sorry, guys. God wants to be with you, right? Or to put it in a more theological Christian term, this may be an opportunity for you to reevaluate the ways that you are following your flesh or legalism instead of operating out of the newness of life that Christ has given you. There's a reality That as we walk with Jesus and we apprentice under our great teacher, we are made day by day more and more into his image. We are made more and more Christ-like. But the way that we get there, like I said, is not holding fast to our traditions. It's not holding fast to to legalism and rules and standards that just burden us. Those things are helpful and they help you walk with Christ, but they're not the thing. right? Those are roads to, to the destination, which is Jesus. The way that we get there is humbly submitting ourselves to Christ day by day, moment by moment, and allowing his spirit to make us cleaner, to, to make us cleaner. allowing his spirit to be the guide, allowing his spirit to be the, the thing that helps us determine uh, why we do what we do. And then one day, ultimately, and this is, this is great news and this is true and you guys need to hear this, one day we're going to be before the presence of God fully clean. Like fully, we're going to be made fully clean, enjoying His presence with no hindrance. So until that day, if you haven't come to Christ today, today, come to Him. If you are in Christ, allow His Spirit to transform you. And then one day we all will be made so fresh and so clean. (laughs) Let's pray. Jesus, um, I thank you for the the patience in this room with me. and I thank you that um, your spirit is at work. Um, I do ask, Lord, if there's anybody under the sound of my voice who don't know you as Lord, would you save them right now, Lord? They don't need to pray a prayer. They don't need to come up to an altar, Lord. All they need to do right now in their hearts is determine that you are the yes and amen of their souls. That you are the... the you are worth following right now. You are worth giving um, their all to. If that is, I just pray that you would give them the confidence and the boldness to make that decision. And for us in here who've been in church a long time, I pray that you'd help us cling to Christ in that tradition. You've made our hearts new, and now we can experience you in in full joy. In Jesus' name, amen. Not today, Satan.